Hi, I'm David Freudberg, and I'm on a mission. Since I was a high school intern in public radio back in NPR's first year on the air, I've devoted my working life to seeking out and disseminating knowledge that I hope will be enlightening and will benefit the lives of our listeners. But the grants we get, the generous support provided from foundations and some others, simply don't cover all our expenses. And if you like what you hear, we're asking for your help so we can keep this going. Please visit humanmedia.org, and at the top of the homepage, click on How You Can Help. Thanks. Humankind is produced in association with WGBH Boston and supported by the Humankind Program Fund. Additional funding for this series has been provided by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, the National Institutes of Health, the Annie E. Casey Foundation, and the Park Foundation. To me, the technical care is important. It would be malpractice to not give good technical care, but it is 10% of what we're there for. The other 90% is helping patients to get that in a way that taps into natural healing capacities for people to feel heard and for people to get some basic skills to be able to get through this experience. We hear voices from nursing, a stressed out profession which still strives to care for the whole person. You're listening to Humankind. I'm David Freudberg. Much more so than physicians, nurses are typically trained in a holistic model of healthcare. This approach highlights the patient's innate capacity for self-healing. The role of nurses is to maintain an environment and a human touch that stimulates a patient's own curative powers. As observed by British nursing pioneer Florence Nightingale, nature alone heals. In addition to the importance of administering medication and basic procedures in today's healthcare setting, nurses recognize that healing can be enhanced when a patient keeps a positive frame of mind. Some people say, oh, it's just the placebo effect, but I'm all in favor of the placebo effect. If you can accomplish uh, pain relief without giving medication, terrific. The main thing is, what is the result? Linda Mulliken teaches nursing at Triton College outside Chicago. She's also a cancer survivor. I had breast cancer at the age of 41, almost 25 years ago, when I had a modified radical mastectomy. I went in one day and had a biopsy, and uh, they admitted me, and I had my mastectomy the next day. Now, I had a nine-year-old daughter at home. I was divorced. I had a full-time job. Um, I was just stunned. Um, I knew I had had a lump in my breast, and it had been determined for several years that this was fibrocystic disease, but then apparently something grew inside of that mass. I had over 11 months of chemotherapy, and during that time, uh, I was scared to death. I kept thinking, what would happen to my daughter if something happened to me? And I began looking for ways that I could help promote the most positive outcome for myself. And there's a lot of time between chemotherapy treatments. 
uh, although I, I was working. A lot of time that could be spent well, worrying. Yes, there are a lot of times, and, wa and was spent worrying, but there was a lot of, I, I kept thinking I ought to be doing things um, for myself that will work uh, for me in addition to what the doctors are doing. The doctors are seeing me every two weeks and I'm getting this injection and I'm taking these uh, the Cytoxin every day. And But there ought to be something that I can be doing. And so I began looking into various avenues. But at that time, there was very little out there uh, for the patient to do. You just went to the doctor and waited between visits, and they took care of you, and they fixed you up, and that was it. But there was something almost like an underground. I began to find one person would tell me this, and I'd go to this meeting, I'd go to that meeting, and I'd find out that there was an awful lot of stuff going on out there. And as I began exploring things like imagery, visualization, nutritional approaches, um, I sort of tried to separate the wheat from the chaff, and that's what triggered my interest in the mind-body connection. This is Dana-Farber Cancer Institute in Boston, one of many major hospitals across America that now include mind-body practices in their menu of patient care options. This approach recognizes a therapeutic potential of the human mind that a patient's positive mental attitude can enhance emotional well-being and compliance with treatment. It uses a bio-psycho-social model of healthcare that lies at the heart of nursing. A researcher at Dana-Farber, Susan Bauer-Wu, studies how nurses can ease the worries of cancer patients. Whether or not they are anxious about a procedure that's starting, that they're, they're going to be in involved in or are involved in, or they're waiting for the doctor to come in the room and to give them the results of a, of a test, or they're anticipating going for a scan, whatever it is, by pausing, by being with that person, gently touching them, and saying, so close your eyes and take a few deep breaths. Pay attention to the air coming through your nose, filling your lungs, filling your abdomen, holding it, and then gently letting it out. And as you're breathing in, breathing in, you know, energy and good health, and you breathe out, breathe out stress and anxiety. And just doing that for a couple of minutes, just even three breaths, can be very, very powerful. Medical research increasingly notices an interconnection between functioning or malfunctioning of the body and our thoughts, beliefs, and moods. It's not to blame someone battling illness for having a negative attitude, but to show that simple relaxation techniques like conscious breathing and positive imagery can have a tangible benefit. Physician and author Martin Rossman in Greenbrae, California. The literature, we're, and there's hundreds of articles, too many really to cite, because I recently wrote a chapter for an integrative oncology textbook and we reviewed this data, and we could only review the reviews 
and there were more reviews than we could review. So there were hundreds of articles about reduction of fear and anxiety, reduction of depression, reduction of adverse effects to chemotherapy, to radiation, reduction of complications from surgery, um, decreases in medication use for all of those things, anxiety, depression, pain reduction, pain reduction from mucositis and mouth sores, just to start with. So these are hugely beneficial to patients. And of course, nurses are the aspect of the healthcare system that directly touches patients and who are both trained and uh, charged in a sense, even more than doctors are with the care of the whole person. And the benefits of these things to the whole person are immense and they're scientifically proven and they should really be standard of care for cancer patients. Treating the whole person is a bedrock tenet of holistic nursing. It views the human spirit as a potent healing force in coping with disease. In Boston, Eileen Stewart-Shore is a nurse practitioner and researcher at Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center and assistant professor of nursing at the University of Massachusetts. When I think of the whole person, I think of the person, mind, body, and spirit. And when we look at the type of um, interventions that we recommend, we think about those things that work on the biology of disease or the biology to keep people healthy, but we also think about those connections between the mind and the body that can cause people such as stress, such as um, anxiety or depression that have sort of real changes in the physiology. I mean, people often sort of laugh about the mind-body connection thinking it's all in your head. So when we talk to patients, we talk about there's a connection between the mind and the body. It's very concrete, it's called your neck. You know, through the neck travels all these nerves <laughs> that translate these thoughts and fears and anxieties into real physiology that can have an impact on health. So we're just as interested in people's emotions and thoughts and feelings as I am in their blood pressure and other physical signs. The commission of a nurse is to care. The commission of a physician is to cure. Yanni Chapman is a nurse and yoga teacher in the Osher Center for Integrative Medicine at the University of California, San Francisco School of Medicine. So the commission of that nurse from the early days of Florence Nightingale to the present moment is to care for the whole person to care for the whole person in the context of that person's life. So while if I'm at the bedside, I may have immediate tasks to make sure the person is staying hydrated, to make sure the person is staying free of infection, to, to maximize the person's healing potential. But beyond that, there is the person and that person's whole life, which includes the family, the community, uh, it, 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 as well in that person because it's the person in the context of their lives that needs to heal. Researcher Susan Bauer-Wu is associate professor of nursing at Emory University. So yeah, it's a person with a particular diagnosis. Well, what's unique about this person? Who are they? And what's most important to them? And um, when we're looking at, at care, the ultimate goal 
is to restore a sense of well-being. That means helping a person to have peace of mind, to be comfortable, to have a sense of vitality. Even the sickest patients can still have a sense of vitality. Uh, to have um, supportive relationships, family and friends, to maintain um, role functions that are important to you, so professional role functions and the ability to be a parent. That's absolutely essential. It means uh, also having a sense of well-being includes connecting with um, a higher power, whatever that may be. For everybody, it's different. For some people, it's just merely connecting with nature. And you don't have to go to the top of a mountain to connect with nature. You can be in the middle of New York City and um, feel the air and look up at the, at the, at the sky. And um, ultimately, having a sense of well-being means living a, uh, a satisfying and rewarding life. And so that means when we're taking care of patients, that's our, our ultimate goal is to help them to live in a way that's consistent with who they are as, as, um, as an individual. A wide variety of mind-body techniques can support patients in a way that honors the social, emotional, and spiritual facets of their lives. These techniques range from relaxation exercises to cognitive reframing, self-reflection, prayer, support groups, imagery, music therapy, humor, and therapeutic touch. I have these tools in my toolbox. It's easy for me to bring those tools in and create an agenda. Yanni Chapman at the Osher Center in San Francisco. I want to teach you how to use your mind and your imagination consciously to benefit yourself. I want to teach you how to breathe per correctly and properly so you're using the full accessory muscles of your capacity so that you're oxygenating the tissues in your body. Cancer does not love oxygen. There's many tools that I might want to offer, but the best gift I can give you is if I listen to what you want and I let you be the guide and we do what meets your needs, not what meets my needs. And that calls for active listening. It calls for learning how to ask the right questions, learning how to set an environment where somebody knows, like a wounded animal knows, is it in danger or can it trust somebody? So you want that person to feel safe and able to trust you, and from that, they'll give you the cues of what they want so you can serve them better. It's been said the highest form of nursing is not just performing care on the patient, but being with the patient. Active listening is more than remaining quiet. It's a deep and respectful way of paying attention to physical, mental, and spiritual distress, a mode of awareness that allows pathways of healing to come to light. And it can start with a question. Dr. Martin Rossman. So you might even ask, besides the medicine that we're giving you and the radiation and so on and so forth, you know, we all have an innate healing ability. And there may be things we can do to strengthen that healing ability. What do you think about that? That's a very nice way to open up a conversation and find out where the person's at. And you'll find out some people are just very intent on nutrition. So that may be the receptor site that the nurse can use either to do nutritional education or to refer them to a nutritionist that will help them. So to 
almost ask the patient to give the nurse an opening. Yes. You know, what, what do you think you might be able to do to contribute to, to the odds of you overcoming or recovering from this disease? And some people may be very intent on prayer, and that's something that the nurse can then support. Some people may be start talking about that they feel the mind is very powerful and that they've, they've known people who, whose mind has helped them overcome disease before, and that's a direct opening then for the nurse to ask, you know, what do you know about it? Have you had any training in it? Would you be interested in learning more about it? And then you can begin to offer the education that you have or refer them to the services they need. You're listening to Humankind. I'm David Freudberg. For more information on this segment, Holistic Nurses, visit our website, humanmedia.org. Eileen Stewart Shore of Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center in Boston. As care has become more technological, nurses have revised their their idea of what it is that we do, and they think it's giving good technological care as opposed to providing compassionate, patient-centered care of high quality. So to me, the technical care is important. It would be malpractice to not give good technical care, but it is 10% of what we're there for. The other 90% is helping patients to get that in a way that taps into natural healing capacities for people to feel heard and for people to get some basic skills to be able to get through this experience. So I think that's our biggest barrier is that we have slowly gotten away from that is how we define ourselves. And we need to reconnect with what the long-standing definition of, of nursing is. The sound of the singing bowl, a type of bell sometimes used as part of meditation practice in Asia, and also here at San Francisco's Osher Center. It's a place where cancer patients are taught an array of mind-body techniques and where the nurses often seem unrushed. Helen Hutchins was diagnosed with throat cancer and was frustrated with the care she received at other clinics. Nurses don't have the time, and they're working with cancer patients all the time, but they don't have the time to talk to you, to explain, which I I couldn't eat and I couldn't swallow, and they would say, just cut it in small pieces. I mean, you could, there was like, they didn't really feel, you know, the ladies here, they would really feel for you, you know. So, I don't know, if we, if I had those, uh, the practitioners here, when I was going through radiation, I think it would have been so helpful. I ended up in a hospital with a feeding tube, couldn't swallow or anything, and I think, A lot of that could have been avoided if the nurses there had more time to really feel like they really were interested. But the poor nurses, they have too many patients. They they can't do it. In many ways, the structure of contemporary medical care leaves nurses overburdened, at times overwhelmed, a condition that can make it hard to give the full attention needed for whole-person care. 
medical researcher John Kabat-Zinn at the University of Massachusetts Medical School. The nursing profession is just being beaten down by the healthcare environment, and so are you know the physicians, and so are the surgeons, and so are the healthcare administrators, and everybody is like in a sense a victim of a system that is in some ways really uh, groping to get back to its own Hippocratic roots. Most patients have no idea whether or not you are administering medications using the exact uh, appropriate technique and whether you are inserting a catheter using all of the correct technical skills. But they do know how they feel when you're there. Nursing professor Linda Mulliken in Chicago. They do know if they feel better. They do know if they feel more relaxed. And they will evaluate your performance as a nurse to a large extent on how they feel, their perception. Whether their perception is correct or not, it is their perception. And so if we can make a patient feel cared about, we can make them feel that we are being attentive to their needs. If we can make them feel that we believe they are doing well, all of these things have a great comforting effect on clients. It makes them feel better, and they therefore they think they are better, and uh, they they believe that things are going along well. And they're you know it, it's what we call uh, quality of life. It greatly affects their quality of life. A central component of therapeutic communication is empathy. It fosters rapport and trust between caregiver and patient. Through empathy, a nurse naturally conveys understanding and acceptance of the patient. It builds an atmosphere of compassion, the heart of healing. Eileen Stewart-Shore. So if you have someone in an office visit getting a new diagnosis or someone in a hospital getting procedures done, there's a lot of fear and anxiety, and that fear and anxiety is processed in the brain and sends out signals to your body that raises your blood pressure, your breathing rate, um, your heart rate. And what compassion can do is actually to help the person interpret the event a little bit differently, which right from the get-go, you don't have the alarm bells to be going off. I also think that it's a piece that as you touch someone, they physically relax. And just as we know that your mind is capable of tensing up in response to stress, we then know that if your body physically relaxes, it feeds back a message to your brain that things are not as bad as they seem, things are okay, and that physical relaxation can actually translate into the person's emotions being calmer. Someone with cancer often feels compromised and vulnerable. But as the saying goes, if you're alive, there must be more right with you than wrong with you. A compassionate nurse sees the intrinsic worth and dignity of patients. What they're really asking you for to sit and listen is they're asking for someone who's knowledgeable to hear them out. But they're also looking for that connection. They're looking for that presence. They're looking for that compassion, for that person to be there. You don't often have to have an answer. You just need to be present. I know a main goal of holistic nursing is to be really present with the patient. Can you tell me what that specifically means and how you as a nurse experience 
presence with a patient? For me, presence is being in the moment so that you're sitting, talking with someone, you're standing talking to them, or you're doing an intervention, but you're there in that room with that patient as opposed to thinking of all the other things you have to do for the rest of the day. It means you're there, you're paying attention to the cues that they give you, you're paying attention to the cues you're giving them. You know, if you're coming across as rushed enough to be off to the next piece, you know, that, that, that gives a message. So for me, presence is just being able to stay in that moment and pay attention to all the cues that you're getting. So to find some way for the nurse to filter out of their mind the next appointment, the next obligation, to just be right there in that room with the patient, nothing else exists in the universe. That's right, just like sitting here right now, <laughs> not paying attention to all those patients waiting to see me. I'm focusing on what you're asking, and that's just not in my consciousness right now. And it's it, it's a conscious decision. I, when I work with staff nurses in critical care areas, we talk about putting a blue dot on the door so that as you enter through that door frame, you leave behind the other things. So you're going to spend five minutes in that room, but you can spend five minutes in that room and be in that room, and you can spend those five minutes doing the tasks of that room, but your mind is off all sorts of other places. It's just a tremendous burden to carry around that stress cycling around in your body for the entire shift. You're not helping anybody to be in there thinking of all these other things you need to do. It's, so it's not a matter of finding more time to be present. It's just using the time that you have in a different way. So it's very important as you walk through each door you know, to make a commitment to just be there for that patient for those moments. And we have so much technology to help us to provide care. And so it it's, can be very easy to get lost in taking care of the technology, you know, the... Instead of the patient. Instead of the patient. Mary Jane Ott, a nurse practitioner at Dana-Farber Cancer Institute. Because they're hooked up to so many things that you have to also take care of, you know, and yet there's a patient there, you know, a real live human being there. In my family, um, one of my family members would tell you, out of a horrific experience involving all kinds of things, um, and intensive care and you know all the rest of it, one nurse one day said to this person, you know, I bet you'd really like to have your hair washed. Well, yeah. <laughs> you know how long it had been? You know, it had been a while especially because this person washes their hair, you know, pretty frequently and regularly. That, that's one thing that that person remembers from a whole bunch of things that were really awful. And so that was a particular thing that a particular nurse noticed. Now, you could say nurses don't have time to wash a patient's hair when they're in the intensive care unit. And on some level, that's true. And on another level, if you know that for this particular patient, that's really important. That's just as important as giving a medication. That's going to touch them at a particular level that's going to help them to mobilize what they need to mobilize in do order to do what they need to do. Do you see that caring as a form of medication? Absolutely, yes. There's a physiological response that happens with that. There are chemicals that change in the body because of that. What is the role of a patient's frame of mind in combating and coping with cancer? 
can simple joys like friendship and laughter or mind-clearing practices like meditation make a difference for someone facing malignant disease? Modern science is just beginning to understand psychoneuroimmunology, how psychological processes interact with the nervous and immune systems of the body. But one thing does seem clear. When patients are emotionally drained by worry and fear, it does not promote healing. Listening to Humankind, I'm David Freudberg. Studio recording by Antonio Oliart. Editorial assistance from Thomas Royal. Webmaster Brian K. Johnson. Special thanks to Eileen Stewart Shore, Dr. Leo Stolbach, Rosemary Carol Johnson, Dr. David Rosenthal, Kathy Graham, and Tony Buck. Our program is presented by Human Media in association with the Network Incorporated program development and support provided by Shart Media. To purchase a CD copy of this program, please call 1-800-5-LISTEN. That's 1-800-5-L-I-S-T-E-N. Or visit our website where you can also obtain an audio download of this and our other programs and can hear selected episodes free. You can access free written materials related to this program as well. Our web address is humanmedia.org. That's humanmedia.org. Again, if you'd like to purchase a CD copy of Humankind by phone, please call 1-800-5-LISTEN, and our web address is humanmedia.org. This segment, Holistic Nurses, is Humankind program number 130. The executive producer is David Freudberg. This is Humankind. To hear more episodes of Humankind, you can subscribe to our free podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast player. A new episode each week. The podcast title is Humankind on Public Radio. And if you enjoy this program, be sure to leave us a kind review at iTunes and Stitcher. If you want to support the program, please visit humanmedia.org. And at the top of the homepage, click on How You Can Help. Again, our web address is humanmedia.org. Thanks.